You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Today we have the privilege of continuing our four-week series entitled, The Life God Blesses. And through God's Word, there's some principles and values that we need in our own heart and life in order for God to bless our life. That's biblical. Would you agree? There's some certain things in God's Word uh, that we need to talk about. And so last week, uh, Pastor Paul talked about how God blesses a life of brokenness and how that God uses our brokenness to uh, make some wonderful uh, things, to use some wonderful things through us. And sometimes we have to be broken to be used by God. Today we're discussing uh, our life that God blesses as a point of surrender. How many know we have to surrender our will, our self, our position, our preferences, our whatever, under God's authority before He will bless us? We have to submit ourselves in a position of surrender. Now what is surrender? Well, obviously the dictionary defines surrender as this. Ceasing to resist an enemy or an opponent and submit to their authority. There's a story of a captain who was in a ship. He looked into the dark night and saw a faint light in the distance. Immediately he is told his signal man to send out a message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly a return message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was angered. His command had been ignored, so he sent a second message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman third class Jones. Immediately the captain sent a third message, knowing the fear it would evoke. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Then the reply came, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. And you see, the problem is we get so blinded in our lives sometimes that we can't see that it's not an enemy, it's a warning signal. That's what lighthouses are for. They're designed to give warning signals so that the ships don't run aground. And in the same way, our spiritual life, if we don't surrender, we are taking control. And God's sending us some signals sometimes that says, hey, you need to just surrender your will to mine. I might know a little bit more than you do. But there are many people me included, who sometimes want full control over everything in their life, right? It's easy, easy to take full control of your life. And our culture has breeded us also in such and promotes this all the time that we can provide for ourselves, right? We can go out and get a job. We can save for retirement. We can do these things. But what we really need is a provider and someone to surrender to. And sometimes we are in a position where we don't listen, we crash. Because if the captain did not listen to the instruction and he still hold the, held the line as far as you know arguing back and forth and they didn't have the lighthouse communication, he would have crashed right into the ground and then he'd have been stuck and I'm sure not very uh, pleasant circumstances would come his way. And in the same way, if we refuse to surrender our lives to Christ and under His Lordship and leadership, we can ultimately crash, have a spiritual crashing, and then need some serious help to get us out of those rocks and out of those uh, running aground situations. And so we have to submit to the Gospel and the Spirit. So surrender isn't a popular word today, uh, but I don't think it's ever been a popular word. You know? If you think about all these old old time TV shows that you see, uh, maybe Zorro or, or or other ones, you see a white flag or some kind of uh, 
Civil War battle, you see white flags, people surrendering. What are they doing? They're giving up. That's the last thing you want to do. But when you have men on your side that are just falling left and right, you have to ultimately give up or you're going to lose everything. And so at at some point, it's not really an easy word because our culture and our, our world has defined it as such. But in God's kingdom, surrender means we're winning. In God's kingdom, surrender is a good thing. Because, you know, folks, I realized a long time ago and more recently that I can't do it on my own. And that's okay to admit. Because I've made a choice to surrender my life to Jesus. And I'm sure you have too. And if you haven't, that's a great thing to commit to. But I've submitted my life to Jesus and His leading. But not only as a Christian, but also in every area of your life, you have to surrender. You have to surrender your marriage unto Jesus or it's not going to work out, right? You have to submit your children unto Jesus. You have to surrender control over X, Y, Z, fill in the blank, whatever it is for you today. But there's points in our life where we have to surrender. There's a quote in your notes today that says this, Christian surrender means that we come to God on His terms as the conquering general of our souls and say simply, I surrender all. How many remember that wonderful song, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, all to Him I freely give, right? It's a great song. But the, the meaning of that song is so true that we're supposed to surrender everything, all, unto Jesus. Because Jesus is not an option among many. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all, right? He's Lord of everything or He's not. There's not much middle ground there. And so today we're looking at Mark chapter 8 as our scripture we're going to be reading from. This is a dialogue where Jesus is teaching his disciples. But Mark 8, 31 through 37, if you don't have your Bibles today, you can read it on the screen. And we'll jump right in. Verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed... And after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So surrendering to Jesus is not always easy. But it sure is beneficial. Would you agree? But there's a couple of things that it means to surrender to Jesus. And the first is this. We choose His way, not our way. And this may be a little bit mixed up in your notes. I don't particularly know. I didn't look at the, the print out there. But it's important to remember that it's His way, not our way. The Bible says, for His thoughts are higher than what? Our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways, right? And so if we agree with that and if we believe that, we're going to surrender to choose His way. Look, when you don't have a job... When you you don't have you know money to, to buy things and you don't have you don't know really where your next food is meal is coming from, it's really tough to surrender to Jesus. 
because you want to say, what can I do to fix this? What can I do? And there is a place for work. Don't get me wrong. But the first place we, don't t- we tend to not look is, is to Jesus. We tend to look to ourselves. And that's what I did when I was you know, unemployed for a while. Is I began to say, okay, I filled out 250 job applications and I got zero callbacks. There's something wrong here. Right? I mean, when you get to that point, Jesus might be trying to tell you a little something. Hey, surrender to me first and I'll take care of you. As soon as we did that, guess what happened? Yeah, exactly. Phone rang, got a job interview. It may not be the job you wanted, but God's providing once you submit to him, right? So not only do we choose his way, not our way, we choose his will, not our will. Romans 12, 2 says, renew your mind so that you can attest and approve what God's will is. The Bible tells us we can know God's will for our life, but how do we do that? Well, we have to test and approve through the renewing of our mind, as in Romans 12, 2. So it's really a good point to renew our mind and choose his will. Um, and then the last point there is we choose his word, not the world's ways. Because his word is never changing, right? The Bible says that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God, what, stands forever, right? And if we believe that God's word stands forever, let's start acting like it, right? Me too. Let's, let's put into practice what we read and not just brush it off. So there's a call to re- surrender today. And there's three points that I think that would help us understand dealing with surrender. And the first is this. Jesus is the example of what surrender looks like. Jesus is the perfect example of what surrender looks like. He had it all. He was in heavenly places, seated with the Father, and He surrendered His life unto the will of God and came to this earth and died for you and me. So Jesus is the ultimate example of what surrender looks like. I think there's two ways he models that. One is like we just said, the cross. And two, he models that through his scripture as a bondservant and a slave. Jesus says this, Greater love has no one than this, than he who lays his life down for his friends. Mark 8, 31, that we just read, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and then he must be killed and after three days rise again. Look, he was admitting that there was a place that he's going to have to surrender himself. Do you remember the scriptures that he even gets taunted, said, throw yourself down from here, have the angels call you up. You know, if you're Jesus, turn this stone into bread. All kinds of things throughout scripture. He's tempted and, and the Satan comes against him and tries to get him to mess up, but he knows his position because of his position of surrender. He knew what he was getting into. He knew the plan, and yet he chose surrender anyway. He surrendered his own preferences, his own will to God the Father. Philippians 2 says this, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used by his own advantage, Rather, here's the important part, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now in that culture, cross uh, crucifixions were like the worst possible way to die. And Jesus took that on and surrendered his own will unto God the Father and fact, you see that really played out in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's 
kind of arguing, God, take this cup away from me. I really don't want to you know, do this, but if it's your will, your will be done over mine, right? And so we see that, and we see that narrative. But Jesus made himself in human likeness and humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. So that's the first way. The second way is he was a bondservant and slave, or he modeled this through Scripture. The, the really cool portion of Scripture I'm going to read is Exodus 21. It says this, If you buy, buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years. That's a long time, right? Can you imagine serving somebody for six years? Anything they wanted, just you're the guy. I mean, that's a tough place to be in. But it says this, In the seventh year he shall go free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone. But if he has a wife, she is to go with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master, and only the man shall go free. But if the servant declares this, I love my master and my wife and children and do not want to go free, then his master must take him before the judge. He shall take him to the door and pierce his ear with an owl. Then he will be his servant for life. This is what the Bible describes as a bondservant. It's not just a slave. It's not somebody who has to do it. It's somebody that chooses to do it. Because at the end of six years, your commitment was over. And after the seventh year, the Bible says, you go free, right? You don't have to pay anything, but you could have the choice to go back to that, if you will, slave owner, master, whatever, and say, I like it here, you've been good to me, my family, and we want to become your bondservant. And what that means is you serve them still, but they give you a place because it's your choice. And so Jesus comes to this earth as a bond slave, a bond servant, because he willingly chose to come to this earth and be a slave to the human part of things. And then he showed us how awesome it is for the life of surrender. So Jesus, the very Son of God and fully God, chose to surrender his life to the Father. And just as the same way Jesus became a bondservant, we have the same opportunity to choose in our life. The Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve, right? And if we're going to make a statement of faith, if we're going to choose the life that Jesus has for us, we have to surrender our preferences. We have to surrender ourselves. We have to surrender the slavery we were born into, and we can choose a life of surrender. So not only that, Jesus is an example of what surrender looks like, but the second point today is this. The way of man is elevation and promotion, but the way of God is surrender. How many know that's easy in our culture to promote and elevate ourselves? We see it all the way from the bottom to the top, right? People are looking for personal gain. Uh, goodness, there's a lot on TV about that right now, right? There's a lot of people who are trying to benefit more than others. And that's where we see the Bible being very different. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan is one. Just one story how, you know, social classes or racial classes, whatever, was a dividing factor. And Jesus and the, the Good Samaritan have compassion on this man that was hurt, even though that wasn't the popular thing to do. In our culture today, it's not the popular thing to show love and compassion when somebody hurts you, is it? It's not the popular thing to do to surrender your will, to surrender your ways to a higher power. It's not the popular 
thing to do. In fact, if you look at Mark 8.32 where we just read, Peter actually rebuked Jesus and said, that's not what we need to be teaching. That's not what we need to be doing. And Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. That's strong words for somebody who's followed Jesus in his ministry. Right? That's strong words. He rebuked Peter and said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Sometimes we can get focused on ourselves and get focused on our own gain and our own elevation and forget the way of Christ. And that's an easy thing to do. Would you agree? It's an easy thing to do. If I get the next raise or the next big position, I'll be happy. If I get a next promotion or I get a $10 million contribution and I get recognized for it or whatever to the building fund at Grace Coming to Statesville. <laughs> I will recognize you for $10 million. Come on now. But you know what I'm saying? We want our name on the wall. We want a plaque. We want an award for everything. My goodness, we give our kids participation trophies. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying. It's, a, it's an elevation of self over the good of humanity. Okay? It's an elevation of our preferences over the preferences of God, spiritually speaking. Jesus is speaking here and telling us here that the way of God is surrender. And it can be surrendered to this important part that I taught on just this, this weekend at the Young Adult Retreat uh, in South Carolina was worship is an act of surrender. And not just worship in song, but worship as a way of life. Romans 12, 1 and 2, we just quoted two, but the one part says that it offer your living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then it says this is your spiritual act of worship. Some translations say service. But whatever it is, it takes surrender and an attitude of surrender. Because if we're, our hearts are in the right place, it won't be about preference. It'll be about praise. You know, like I've said before, I've seen churches over, over time tear over uh, carpet color and wall paint color and pew carpet color. And it is insane some of the conversations that we get into over preference. Song selection. No, I, oh my goodness, right? We could just go on and on and on. There's, there's a church I worked for one time that um, they really valued their parking lot. And they would spend ten to $15,000 to repave the parking lot, and they had about 40 people in their congregation. It wasn't a very thriving church, but rather than put effort into reaching people for the gospel and putting money into that, they were more concerned with their preference. Put up an LED sign for 17 grand. I mean, all this stuff. And it's like, we have to put our money where our mouth is and reach people for the gospel. Otherwise, we cease to exist as a church. And it's the same for our life. If we don't surrender and live a life of worship, we are saying our preferences are better than God's. And that's a tough place to be. Trust me, I've been there. Has any of y'all been there? I know I haven't. I'll admit that. But we have to put away our, aside our priorities and let God do some work. And he can do that. So the same thing with Romans 12.1. It's a living sacrifice. God doesn't want a dead sacrifice. He wants a living one. He wants somebody who's willing to do some work. And I always like the quote, and you all probably get tired of hearing it. That's okay. If you're not dead, you're not done. God wants a living sacrifice. He wants people to do the work of the ministry. He wants to equip you. He wants to equip me to reach Statesville for Jesus Christ. Because if we can do that, we have surrendered ourselves and we have let God have His way.
So point three today is this. Jesus calls us to come and die to everything that competes with His reign and His rule in our lives. Mark 8, 34, what we read earlier, it says this. Jesus called the crowd to Him and said, Whoever wants to be My disciple what must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. Man, isn't that a big ask? Taking up their cross in that culture and following after Jesus, that's a huge ask. That's saying, I'm surrendering and I know there's going to be persecution on the way. I know there's going to be people who don't agree with what I'm doing. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but for whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Jesus' call today is to deny yourself and take up your cross, which is a surrender to Jesus Christ. And in my life, there's areas where I need to surrender to Jesus. Would there be any areas in your life today that you'd say that? I, I can give you a few right now. There's a, a lot of areas that I need Jesus to come in and take control, and I need to just get out of the way. And it's better that way, right? You would agree? It's better when I back out of the way and when we back out of the way for Jesus to do work. Jesus says in His Word, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? That means people that know Him by name but didn't surrender. Won't make it in. Isn't that crazy? The people that were closest, He's saying here, you still have to surrender to the Lord. And I love the verse. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose their soul? Or can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And in closing today, we'll go and say this. We work so hard in life, right? I work hard. You work hard to make a living, to earn, to provide, to do some great things in life. And trust me, this life is great. Every day that I wake up and every day I get the privilege to be in ministry and serve the gospel of Jesus and serve Him, man, it's a great day. I wake up every morning, every day is a great day. I might not feel like it sometimes. I might feel a little groggy when I get up in the morning and stayed up too late or something. But it's still a great day. Look, we got pumpkin cheesecake over there. That's a great day, right? Just saying. If you don't didn't get any, you better get it before it's gone. But we work so hard for things of life. Retirement accounts and savings accounts and money market accounts and stocks and these things and the things that we aspire to, to, to gain and children getting a good education and all these things, which none of those things in and of themselves are bad. But if they're first priority in our life, it means nothing if Jesus isn't the top priority and we're not surrendering to Him. Because we can gain the whole world, have all the houses you want, have all the money you want, and still lose your soul because Jesus says, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? So we have to surrender to Jesus because our soul is way worth more than earthly possessions. Jesus didn't die for us to have stuff. He died for us to have a relationship with Him. And not only just any relationship, a thriving relationship. A living relationship, not a dead one. God wants a living sacrifice. Someone who will do the work and surrender their way. You know, there's a lot of different voices that we have in our culture telling us where to put our priorities. Where to put our emphasis, right? Where to put our time. 
But unless we're getting that from God's Word and from the Lord Jesus, it really makes it difficult to live a successful life. When I, when I get to the end of my life, I'd really like it said that Daniel really didn't care about his preferences. He cared about God's preferences first. Wouldn't it be awesome for my kids to say that about me? You know, that I surrendered my heart to, to God. I surrendered my life to Jesus and that I live that way towards others. Because we can say it on Sunday. But on Sunday afternoon, when our order's wrong or when we have to go to the store after we forgot something and we just have a bad attitude. Because I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> right? Just being honest. We can let that rob us of the life that God wants for us. And the life that He blesses is a life of not only brokenness, but surrender to Him and to His cross. Would you stand with me today? And just in a time of reflection, God, would you just move in this place? Holy Spirit, would you guide our hearts to a place where you want us to be? God, would you show us things in our life that need to be removed? That we need to surrender to you? God, our work, our families, our hobbies, everything we do, God, it needs to revolve around you and your plan for our life. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But God, we're here today and we're open and we're surrendering ourselves to you. Just picture that white flag waving around we see on TV or in movies all the time. And in your life, just begin to just open your arms and wave that white flag and say, Jesus, I surrender my preferences. I surrender my plans. I surrender my will unto you. Because it's so much better when you lead me than when I try to lead myself. Look, we'll avoid so many problems if we just submit to Jesus. Me included. Trust me, me included. Relationships with our spouse. If I just submit to God and ask Him for His way, it'd be a whole lot easier getting along, right? If I quit putting my selfish preferences in front of that, right? I know you can, you don't have that problem, but submitting to Jesus is the first step in getting things right with any relationship, with any problem in our life, with any activity, and certainly with any job. But God's given us a great privilege today to hear this word and have an opportunity to act. So today, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus and you haven't said, I give it up, I give my preferences up to you. This is not my life. You've given me this life. If you haven't made that decision, that's okay. Billy Graham always used to say this, come as you are. Jesus accepts you as you are right now. He's going to help you along the journey. And so, God, today we just thank you for this word. We ask that, Lord, you would just move in our hearts. Show us things that we need to surrender. God, and today, Lord, if there's someone here who hasn't surrendered their life to you, I pray that right now they would just begin to pray and ask you to take control of their heart. The Bible tells us that all we have to do to be saved is confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. So if we take that today, I pray that prayer over each of us, that we would 
realize the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And they, they would, in turn, sacrifice and surrender our life to Him. So today, Father, we thank You for this Word, and we ask that You would be with us this week as we live a life that You bless, called a life of surrender. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.